Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Hey, welcome Horizon Church. Good morning, good evening if it's the 8 p.m. Uh, so good to see you. We hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, whatever it looked like this year, whether you saw family in your house or over Zoom, hope you had a great time to connect. Uh, the, this Sunday in our calendar year, the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's is normally a time where we do something a little bit different, uh, mainly just so we can say thank you to our incredible tech team that works so hard every year, especially this year, uh, figuring out how to make church happen. And so today we get to do something a little bit different. We're here at Crescent Beach, uh, and it'll make a little bit of sense here in a second why there's a fire in front of me, why we're next to a beach. But I, I love this week in the calendar year. Maybe a little bit weird, but normally this is where we get a chance to pause and reflect, to look back on the year and what has happened. Uh, it kind of provides us that little pause break between Christmas and New Year's and what's going on. And Normally, it's a chance to stop and reflect on our New Year's resolutions. If you're anything like me, uh, January's a time to dream and come up with, re- with resolutions and you write them out. And the next time you look at those resolutions is normally December 28th. Uh, when you go and say, ah, did I do what I set out to do? And it, did, did we accomplish that? And you begin to reflect a little bit on what that looked like for the year. 2020 is going to be a year that's going to be quite interesting as we look back and If you're anything like me, as you get older, maybe you get a little less hopeful. Maybe that's not the case, but I can only say I want to lose that 20 pounds so many times before I get a little discouraged and also before the 20 pounds, maybe becomes 30 pounds that I want to lose in 2021. It's a time of reflecting. You see, we tend to look back on our year and we ask the question, did I Did I lose that weight? Did I accomplish that goal? What did I do? And we tend to look at what we've been accomplishing But I tend to think Jesus looks back more on who we're becoming, more than what we've accomplished. We're going to take a little time to look at that today. If you're taking notes, the title of today's message is A Moment to Pause. And our bottom line today is Jesus asks us to look back so that we can properly move forward. If you're taking notes, the passage we'll be looking out of today is John chapter 21, a pretty, uh, one of my favorite passages. We'll look into why, but it reads this. John 21 verse 1 to 14 says, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. That's important. We'll get back to that. It says, It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Dynamis, Nathaniel uh, from uh, Canaan and Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Verse 3 says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. They said, We'll go with you. So they went to go out into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, much like I am right now. Uh, But disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. When he called out to them, he says, Friends, have you caught any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. Now, now just a moment as a fisherman, this is a pretty crazy statement. To think that on one side of the boat, there's going to be more fish than the other is not something normal fishermen would have done. But nonetheless... They do. It says, when they did it, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved, conveniently John's writing this gospel, and it's him, so he kind of says that about himself, a little humble brag, said to Peter, it is the Lord. This is key. We'll get back into it. 
As soon as Simon heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him before he'd taken it off. Apparently he was fishing naked or in his underwear. And he jumped into the water. Typical Peter, just taking things overboard. It says, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, only about 100 yards. When they had landed, they saw a fire uh, of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Now, I wish I could have had a real fire that we built and I had some fish I was going to cook, uh, but you can't build a fire on Crescent Beach. So we get this beautiful propane fireplace to kind of set the scene of what very likely could have been this chapter. Verse 10 says this, And Jesus said to them, Bring some fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was so full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask who you are. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This, is now, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was resurrected or raised from the dead. Now, before we get into this, I think it's important to give us some pieces of the context of what's going on. And first and foremost, John 21, um, it doesn't really belong in the book of John. Like if you look at chapter 20, he ends it pretty neatly. It looks like the bow's put on it and everything's finished. He says, now there were so many more things that happened in the process. Excuse me here, there we go. There were so many more things that happened in the story, but we didn't write it down. But the key thing is Jesus is Lord. If you believe in him, you'll have new life. And that's how John 20 ends. And John 21 is kind of like, like any Avenger movie. After all the credits where they're sitting there in New York in a cafe that's destroyed. And it's like this little joke going on. You're kind of wondering, like, why is this here? Is this added after? So much so that some theologians go and they actually study, but there's no record of the book of John without John 21. Yet it seems disjointed from the rest of this gospel, this narrative of John telling about the life and the ministry of Jesus. So why is John there? And I would suggest to you today that it's not actually some disjointed thing that doesn't matter. There's actually a lot of significance in the scene and the message of John 21. Secondly, it's really important as Peter's one of the main characters in John 21 to realize what had happened in the last week of Peter's life. You see, he'd been following Jesus for three and a half years and we see that he had kind of at the height of their ministry, the crowd's growing, they're gaining some power and Jesus tells him, hey, listen, there's some stuff gonna come that you're not really gonna like. Peter just saw the transfiguration on the mountain, this incredible moment. And then Peter does what he promises he never would. The same people that Jesus was making look silly with his teaching yesterday were now taking Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. They had bound him, they had beaten him. And the crowd that made Peter feel welcome and made him feel kind of powerful and comfortable that he made the promise to never deny Jesus around was gone. And Peter found himself isolated and alone. And in that isolation, in that aloneness, he finds himself denying Jesus not once but three times. He locks eyes with Jesus and realizes what happened as the rooster crows and he runs and he abandons his best friend. In the minute of his greatest need, he leaves Jesus. Thankfully, he raises from the dead and he, he hears about Jesus coming. He runs to the grave, but he doesn't miss Jesus. And one other time he notices that Jesus is there because he walks in the room and doesn't really get a chance to reconcile with Jesus what had happened. And then they go to Galilee to wait for Jesus and thirdly, this is really important, which is this is something I've misunderstood before studying this out, that Galilee 
I said, if we're tempted to think this is a random story or uh, that this place, that this takes place in, proves it's not a random moment. That the, because it was Galilee proves that John 21 isn't as disjointed as we may really think. This isn't a random moment, rather it's a prophetic moment. And if we're tempted to think that this is the disciples backsliding, going back to where they used to be, what I'm about to say next might convince you to think that this isn't actually them backsliding. This is actually them walking in obedience. We see that in the Last Supper in Mark chapter 24, verse 28, Jesus prophetically speaks of this moment here in John 21. It says, but after I'm raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to where? To Galilee. And I will meet you there. We see that Jesus, as he's with the disciples, sees prophetically and says, this is going to be an important moment. Not only that, but in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, when the two Marys meet Jesus, the resurrected body at the tomb, they say, hey, listen, I'm here. Go and tell the disciples what? To wait for me in Galilee. So I'm going to go ahead of them and I will meet them there. You see, Galilee was not a moment of backsliding. It was not a random moment. It was a moment of obedience. It was also a moment of inconvenience. You see, the disciples were in Jerusalem uh, when Jesus was crucified in the resurrection. And it was an 80-mile journey on foot to get back to Galilee. And not 40 days later for the Feast of Pentecost, they'd have to make that journey again and go back to Jerusalem. This was out of the way. This was, this was not convenient for them. But Jesus says, hey, meet me in Galilee. So why did Jesus do that? Why, why this moment? Why wrap up John but have this John 21 moment? I think there's something more uh, beneath the surface that we can glean from this scripture that Jesus is trying to do. I think it's important to notice that this was their home. That many of the fishermen that Jesus liked the beach, this is where Jesus first met them and called them in Luke chapter 5. This is where they grew up. Jesus did a ton of his ministry around Galilee and Capernaum that this was a familiar place. They had just gone through something incredibly emotional. Their savior, their friend, he'd been crucified and then raised from the dead. Things are different. He's not with them all the time. They're trying to figure out what's going on. But Jesus recreates this miracle when he first called Peter. And if this story kind of sounds familiar, it's because it's very similar to what happened before they started following Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, if you go there, it's this story. But what I love about Luke chapter 5 that the other gospels don't take an account in in Mark and in Matthew, it seems that Jesus just comes, calls Peter, and he leaves everything and goes. We see there's actually more that happened. We see that Peter actually had his mother-in-law healed by Jesus before Luke chapter 5. Peter wasn't unknown to Jesus. He was an admirer. He was someone who heard Jesus' teaching. He was kind of hiding in the crowd. He'd been around Jesus, but yet to have personally experienced him for himself. We see that in Luke chapter 5, see that Jesus comes, he's teaching, and he sees the crowd. But I love that it says he sees Peter. In the midst of the crowd, he saw the individual. And he gets close to him, and the crowd is pushing on them. And in the beach, uh, historians say it was like this natural amphitheater in the beach that was created. And they, a lot of them believe that this was the same beach in John 21 that they actually came back to. And he, he comes to Peter, and he gives Peter an invitation. He doesn't command. He says, hey, Peter... Would you be willing to put out your boat? I know you're cleaning your nets after a night of not catching any fish. Again, in both stories, we see that the disciples are fishing all night and they didn't catch any fish at all. And we see that Jesus says, would you be willing to interrupt what you're doing in your life, your routine here? And would you be willing to just journey with me in the boat? Just, would you get in the boat with me, put out a little bit just so I can teach? And then he kind of just invites Peter in. And Peter responds, says, okay, puts the net aside. Probably a little bit perturbed, but a little bit curious because it's Jesus. 
And Jesus begins to teach. And after his teaching, he then commands Peter, says, put out into the deep and then you'll catch fish. Again, this didn't make sense. The type of fishing that they were doing with nets, you did at night. And during the day, the fish could see the nets and they wouldn't be able to catch it. The deep wasn't where you went for these type of nets either. But Peter, he's kind of like an immature teenager. It's like reluctant obedience. Before he's going to obey Jesus, he lets Jesus know that he disagrees. Maybe, I know this isn't like you, but I know in, in my own leadership, in my own following of Jesus, sometimes I obey, but I let Jesus know that I disagree. We see a little moment of immaturity in Peter here that says, fine, I'll do it, but I think it's a bad idea. Jesus, he just goes along with it. He loves Peter anyways. And they put the nets down, catch the fish. It's crazy. We see that there's so much. They have to call the other boat over and they're bringing in these fish and the nets begin to break and, and they finally get the fish in. And we see this moment where Peter realizes, again, remember in John 20, 21, where it was John that said, it's the Lord. In, in Luke chapter 5, in Luke's gospel, this is the first time that anyone refers to Jesus as Lord. We see that because Peter, something clicks and he realizes that this isn't just a good teacher, that Jesus was God. And he says, Lord, and his response, he clearly sees Jesus for who he is. And it's simultaneously when he clearly saw Jesus, he sees himself. He sees the sin in his heart. And his only response is, Jesus, depart from me. I am a sinful man. And he asked Jesus to leave. Luckily, we don't see that Jesus does. He says, don't worry. You used to fish for men or for fish, but now I'll make you a fisherman of men. And it says they left everything to follow Jesus. And I wonder if as a whole, this is why maybe our culture doesn't want to look at Jesus clearly. Because if they were to admit that Jesus is who he says he was, that says more about their current situation and who they are than it does who Jesus is. Because when you clearly see Jesus, you can't help but see yourself in light of who Jesus is. And we see that this decision that Jesus is, or this moment that Jesus is recreating in John 21 that happened in Luke 5, we see this happen. But the difference between that is for three and a half years now, Peter follows Jesus and a lot of crazy things happen. He sees dead people risen from the dead. He sees the blind eyes open. He sees leprosy begin to fade and, and the skin tissue come back. He sees limbs grow back out of nothing, withered arms coming back. He hears incredible teaching that just confounds the wisest minds of religious leaders of the day. He sees water to wine. He sees fish multiplied to the 5,000 to the 10,000. He got to see Jesus transfigured on the mount, which is incredible. He's the inner core of this community of people that's gaining popularity that they thought prophetically spoke to the Jewish people throwing off the Roman government. He's in these incredible moments. But then as we already, ta already talked about in this moment where he's no longer around the community and the crowd that he had, he's isolated that he actually denies Jesus. We see that Peter went on a journey. It's this moment where he realizes that things are a little bit different. And for us to gain understanding of why John 21 is important, it's important to see that Jesus is recreating the same moment where he called Peter because he's about to give him another call. He's causing the memories to click. We see that Jesus breaks the bread and breaks the fish to remind them of the 5,000, to remind them of the 4,000, that Jesus is setting them up for something significant in this moment. But we talked about the comparisons between Luke 5 and John 21 but we also see something that's different. Again, the three and a half years, Peter was the same guy, but we also see that he's different. We see that in Luke chapter five, the net began to break because it couldn't withstand and withhold the harvest that was brought in the fish. But we see in John 21, the nets didn't break. 
that they were stronger. They could now withstand the miracle. They could, they could hold and, 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 and properly um, be good stewards of what God was bringing. And more importantly, we see that the response of Peter to cover his face and ask Jesus to depart from him before he had relationship with Jesus when he clearly saw him. We see now that Peter, when he hears that it's the Lord, that's when the moment clicked, that's Jesus. He doesn't run from Jesus. He actually throws himself, hurls himself in the water and swims because he can't wait to be close to Jesus. We see that something changed in Peter. In Luke chapter 5, he understood he was sinful. And even more so in John 21, he realized he just denied Jesus, but there was relationship with God. He knew who Jesus was. So in his brokenness and his mistakes, he runs towards Jesus. And the other difference we see is that the group would have been around the fireplace like this. But Jesus needed a moment with Peter. He needed to stop everything because there was something very significant about to happen and it's coming in Acts 22. Within 40 days, Jesus would send the Holy Spirit, the ministry and how they've always done it would change. The church would be birthed, this incredible moment where the Holy Spirit falls, people are empowered, that 3,000 get saved. The church as we know it is about to be birthed. And I would contend with you that John 21 is a cornerstone piece, a pivotal moment what Jesus needs to have with Peter if this is all going to happen. So we see that Jesus takes Peter and he separates him from the crowd a little bit. Because Peter's pretty bold when he's with the group. But he needs to get Peter alone to, to deal with some things. And They begin to walk and they probably still within eyesight but out of earshot of the crowd. And Jesus takes and just walks with them. And I wonder if Peter's heart isn't starting to pound a little bit as he begins to think back on, oh, well, man, what's Jesus going to say? What's going to happen? And, and then Jesus begins to ask some questions, and I think it's a little bit different than what Peter would have thought. But once they were away enough from the crowd, we see that Jesus continues in verse 15. Once breakfast is finished, we see that Jesus, he is meeting with the disciples, but he, he needs a private moment with Peter. And so he, he gets up and I picture him kind of asking, kind of nodding to Peter. And they just begin to walk and not totally away from the disciples, probably out of earshot, but not out of eyesight. Because it, Jesus, there's still this bit of animosity between the two. Again, a very significant moment in the church is about to take place. And Peter is the chosen person that God chose to, to start igniting this thing that we call the church today. Yet there were some things that needed to be changed in Peter's heart. We see that Peter had a tendency to be really proud and really bold in the crowd. But yet when he was alone, when Peter was isolated, we see that there was a personal strength in him that was lacking, that was needed for what God had next. We see that Jesus takes a moment to allow Peter to look back so that he can properly move forward into what God had next for him. And we see... That in John 21, in 15 to 19, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt 
because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And we see here that Jesus asked three times and Peter makes this connection that he denied Jesus three times, that Christ now has asked him if he loved him three times. But it's a little bit different than maybe we would have thought. We see that, that Jesus doesn't shame Peter like maybe he was thinking. He just says, hey, are we good? Do you love me? And there's some people that get into the different Greek words in love. There's two philo, one agape, and how Peter, what Peter used versus Jesus. But most theologians, theologians will agree that Jesus is creating a moment for him and Peter where things could be made okay, where Peter can address some of the things that are going on inside of him. Why is John 21 so important? Why did Jesus prophetically speak of this moment and set it up just the way it is? Why did he recreate Luke 5? Why did he recreate this breaking of the bread and the fish back to the disciples? Because there's a significant change that was about to happen. They used to do ministry and life in one way, but Jesus was going to be with the Father. The Holy Spirit was going to come. The church was about to be born. Something was about to change. Why was this so important? You say, Daniel, like, what does this have to do with right now? Why are we talking about John 21 on December 27th between what's going on? Because this is our cultural moment. What are you talking about, Daniel? Where we personally and individually and united as the church in North America find ourselves is in this moment. Luke 22 says that Jesus prophesied to Peter, says, the enemy is coming to sift you, Peter. I'm praying for you, but he's coming to sift you. And once you repent and come back, and once you've denied me and repent, you're going to then go and strengthen the brothers. We see that Jesus understood that there was going to be a shaking and a sifting to see what was at the core of Peter. And friends, 2020 has been that for us. Yes, every year between New Christmas and New Year's, it's a great time to stop and reflect. But I think prophetically more than any other year that we have had, now is a moment to stop. Like Peter, we are used to the comfort and the strength that has come from gathering together as a church, the big congregational moments. Now, there's nothing wrong with big community. It's actually spoken of and part of the church. But the danger comes when our strength is only found in the corporate gatherings. And when we're isolated, when we're alone, which always happens, we lack the strength to continue to do what we promised we would do. We lack the strength to, to grow our own relationship with Jesus. And 2020 has been this gift in a way, this sifting of myself, of you, to prepare us maybe for what God wants to do. I think the church will look different than it ever has. Not in a way where, oh, we're just going to be bigger and better. I think that's surface level. I think Jesus is getting to the core where you have to reflect and ask yourself, Man, do I really want to follow Jesus? What does that actually mean? And just like Jesus saw it so key and so critical to create a moment of reflection for, for Peter, I feel like this week for us, this moment that we're in, and, and I'm not saying 21, it's going to start, it's going to be Acts 2. I'm saying this, this cultural moment that we're in, this pandemic has caused us to stop. It has caused a sifting and a shaking. And whether life hasn't changed much, your relationship with Jesus, how you interact with your faith and church and congregation has shifted and changed. My question is, how are you doing? We see that this is different. In John 21, it provides three things for Peter. And I feel like this is the moment it also provides it for us. Why is John 21 so important for Peter? Why is it important for us? Because it provides us a moment to stop and reflect 
a moment to pause and repent, and a moment to pause and respond. We see that in this moment, Peter does this, where Jesus asks three questions, and I, I feel like in the first one, he says, do you love me? And, and Peter stopped there, and he, he begins to reflect on what just happened. I, I believe that Jesus, he's going back to his first love. As we see in Revelations, of one of the churches, the angels speaking to us, that they fell away from their first love. And Jesus recreates the moment of where Peter was first called. And Peter just begins not to only to reflect on that moment because Jesus beautifully recreated Luke 5, but he reflects on the last three and a half years and how he's grown and what's going on, the mistakes, the denial, what this new reality may look like with Jesus and this resurrected body. He said he's going to go and he's going to send a helper and Pentecost is coming. And Jesus, and it's interesting in this moment, he seems to care less about the accomplishments and failures of Peter and more about who Peter is becoming. Notice that Jesus not once mentions Peter's denial. He allows a moment of reflection and we see that later Peter responds because of that. But Jesus, his, his main goal is to get close to Peter again and say, hey, are we okay? And like you and me, who are you becoming? Your moment of reflection this next week, I, I really feel prophetically is pivotal in this next season to stop and not just get through 2020, but to stop and say, God, what are you teaching me? Where am I weak where I thought I was strong? What are the things I, oh, I'll never not do that? If, and, and we don't say this to shame you. If you haven't picked up your Bible in the last year, don't allow that shame to stop you as it kind of caused Peter to avoid you. Don't be the Peter of Luke 5 that says, depart from me. Be the Peter of Luke, John 21, sorry, who jumps out of the boat and says, I just need to get close to Jesus. Allow this moment to, to shape you, to shift you as the Holy Spirit did to Peter. With the removal of the familiar crowd during the time, this time of isolation, how has your personal relationship with Jesus developed? Where are you proud and happy and where are areas where you'd rather people not know? What are the insecurities of your heart that, what, what the things we complain about? Are you like Peter that your obedience is reluctant but complaining? I don't like this or I don't agree with this or we should just do this, but God, I guess I'll kind of follow you or saying, God, whatever you need, I'm here. God, whatever it looks like, I'm, I'm here. Life was going to look very different for Peter in Acts than it did in Mark and Matthew and Luke and in John. What has the Holy Spirit been teaching you? Where have you blown it? See, Jesus makes it possible for Peter to run, or makes it impossible for Peter to run from the stakes when he takes them and they have this heart to heart. So for us right now is a moment to reflect on this last year. What has it been for you? I want to encourage you to grab a journal, to take a day and write it down, to invite Holy Spirit to help you make sense of everything that's happening, your insecurities, the things beneath the service that you're not aware of. Second, we see that there was a moment of repentance. The second time Peter is asked, do you love me? I feel like Peter might have been starting to realize what's going on. We see that first to the prophetic word of Jesus in Luke 22, it says, so when you have repented and turned to me again, you'll strengthen your brothers. That Peter has this moment of repentance saying, God, I love you. I'm sorry. But secondly, the same way the miracle in Luke 5 marked the beginning of a new reality for Peter. John 21 marks a new reality, but there was things that he needed to repent of to make sure that there was not a barrier between him and Jesus. What do we need to repent of? Again, I think like Peter, sometimes we run. Our culture doesn't want to be faced with the idea of repentance because we feel like God's just ready to slam us and, and throw our mistakes in our face. But remember, Jesus did not bring up Peter's denial. 
He was less concerned. The cross took care of sin. Jesus wasn't worried about it. He understood that. He made a way for that to be forgiven. He was worried about Peter. And friends, I'll say to you through the camera right now, Jesus is not as concerned about your mistakes as he is the, the state of your heart. And you're, you're willing to say, God, I'm sorry, I repent. I repent for ignoring you. I repent for thinking that my comfort is the highest thing I need to do. God, I'm sorry for thinking my opinion is more important than obedience to your word. God, I'm sorry for whatever it is. Through your time of reflection, ask Holy Spirit, God, what do I need to repent of? What are the things in my life? Not just, I'm sorry for how I acted. But God, what are the things I need to remove completely from my life so that I can look back at what has been, repent, and properly move forward into what God is calling me to? Jesus wasn't put off by Peter's sin. He predicted Peter's sin. But he made a moment for repentance. And lastly, we see that Peter had an opportunity to respond. He had an opportunity to walk in something different. Peter said, I love you. And as we see again in, in, in verse 18 to 19, it says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, went where you wanted. But when you were old, you'll stretch out your hand. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify. Then he said to him, You follow me. Jesus made it incredibly personal, this response. And again, Peter had to make a decision. Was he going to, like in Luke, in Luke chapter 5, leave everything? follow Jesus he already did that but Jesus is asking him again are you willing to follow me into what's next and I love that Peter's like whoa what about him Jesus says, I'm not talking about them and man how fitting for our time and culture where we want to virtue shame where we want to call other people out we want to say they're this they're that but to stop say it doesn't matter what's going on around me if I can't attend church or if I can't in groups or whatever it looks like but Jesus you have my yes I'm going to respond God I'm allowing you to work in my life. I think it's important to note for us and for Peter that Jesus' call and commission in Luke 5 and in John 21 is always primarily to himself. And the function or display of that call to Jesus is secondary. What you do for God is a byproduct of your relationship with Jesus. Jesus calls us to himself. If you're new to church, maybe you're watching this, you're not really sure. Maybe you're like Peter in Luke, 12, in Luke chapter 5. You've heard about Jesus. Maybe you're an admirer a bit. You've heard some of his teaching. Maybe God's done things for other people in your life. But God creates a moment. I want to let you know in Luke chapter 5 verse 2, Jesus noticed it. So he saw Peter. And you need to know right now, Jesus sees you where you're at. You're not uh, uh, unbeknownst to him. He's aware of what's going on. And in verse 3, he said he invites you to step into the boat with you. Jesus, it gives you an invitation called salvation. He died on the cross and he rose again, paid for your sins. He became our sins so that we could become his righteousness. And that's an invitation to you and to me to walk into this new life where you don't have to be ashamed, but you can run to Jesus and he can lead you into a life that's greater than anything you could have ever imagined, more significant than you could have done. And we see that Jesus asked Simon, and, and in verse 8 it says, When Simon Peter realized he fell on his knees, said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. We see this moment of repentance. And today, right now, in the quietness of your heart, you can say, Jesus, I understand that I'm a sinner. God, I see you clearly, not just as a good teacher, but as Lord. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive me? The Bible says that you can begin a journey much like Peter did in Luke chapter 5 and those disciples. 
But for those who follow Jesus right now at the end of 2020, going into 2021, a year that we probably soon won't forget, what does it look like to stop, a moment to pause, to reflect on what God has been doing and how I've been responding, to repent where I need to repent, and to respond? I want to encourage you not to rush through this, to take some time to invite Holy Spirit. Because I love in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, he first asked Simon, but once Simon agreed and got into the boat, once you invite Jesus in your boat, he commanded him to go out. He commanded him to go. He says, now go out into the deep. If we follow Jesus, he leads us. Are we going to respond and follow? And in verse 10, it says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fisher of people. When we say yes to Jesus, Jesus is Lord and he begins to lead. We see this invitation to John in 21, this pivotal moment between the resurrection and the birth of the church where Peter has to stop to reflect, to repent, and to respond after significant shifting and sifting. And family, my heart is for you this next year that you would take a moment not to just get through 2020, but to stop and say, God, what are you teaching me? I want to grow. I want to be better. I want to look back so that I'm prepared for what you have next. God, would you lead me? Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. God, as we head into this next year, God, we don't know what it holds But Lord, as cliche as it sounds, we know who holds it. So Father, I ask that as we take a moment to pause, to reflect, would you help us make sense of this year and what you've taught us and where we need to grow and the, and the weaknesses, the insecurities of our heart. God, I thank you for your grace that allows us to come and repent and say, God, I'm sinful. Would you forgive me? And God, I pray for the strength to respond in the way you've called us to, to do what you've called us to do. God, I pray that your church would have a glorious future like it's never seen. Lord, that it would show off the kingdom of God in ways that we haven't seen because of the sifting and the shifting that's happening right now, that God, you would strengthen us in our core so that when we can gather corporately, it would be an overflow of what you call us to, and that's to follow you. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.